For sound wisdom has two sides. Know then that God forgets a part of your iniquity. Well, Zophar is dogmatic and cold. As, as I read in one commentary, he's one of those tiresome people, probably just out of college, who knows everything. <laughs> you know? And uh, he certainly is not one to let facts interfere with his theories. So, he basically says in 2 and 3, well, you can't let that man go unanswered. I mean, we got to respond to this. This is so outrageous, so horrible. Job said, he says, you say, I'm innocent. And, uh, you know, uh, you might look at 10.7. I mean, to some extent, that is what Job is saying. Well, what's Zophar's answer? You know, you know it would be really useful if a Zophar would say, no, Job, we saw you getting a little too far, too, too carried away in the bar last week. You know, we, 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 you told this lie, you know, or something like that. But no, what does he say? Would that God might speak and open his lips against you. You know, God would know. That's really a cop out. You know, well, I wish God would just come and talk to you. Of course, Job does too. And he, he, he'd for sure tell you. But, but verse 6, wow, this is the climax of the polarization in the first cycle. Verse 6, and show you the secrets of wisdom, for sound wisdom has two sides. Know then that God forgets a part of your iniquity. Do you understand what he's saying by that? God's not punishing you for everything. He's letting something slide. Yeah. He's like, whoa. Look at what Job's getting. He's saying, well, actually, Job, God's, God's being really, you know, He's been really merciful to you. He's, he's overlooked part of your iniquity, or it'd be worse. Now, I understand, on one hand, we all deserve worse than what Job got for our sins. But, I want you to remember, Zophar is a man, too. You know, and if we're looking at this from Zophar's standpoint, okay, if Zophar is saying all of us deserve worse, that's one thing. But when he says, Job, you know, here I am sitting over here, everything's going great for me. But let me tell you something. If God punished you for your sins, I'd be way worse than this. He's actually overlooked some of them in this. That is just cruel and heartless and wrong. But do you see what is starting to happen in this debate? It's what often happens in debate. What, hap what happens? Nothing. Exaggeration. Why? Because the facts aren't getting the job done. <laughs> <laughs> Does that happen in arguments? Wasn't there something last night? That <laughs> because, you know, the tendency is for the two arguing sides to just go to more and more extremes to say things more and more harshly. You, have you ever done that? You ever been in a real argument and you started off kind of reasonable and before you know it, you're making statements that are just really off the wall as you've been kind of driven to one side. You know, we tend to do that. And you certainly see it here. Wow. I mean, for him to say, well, Job, actually, God, God forgot a lot of your sins when he gave you this punishment. 
Oh my. Job really must have been the cosmic sinner of sinners in that case. Yeah, okay. What what would have been what would have been the difference? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'd like to see him punish me some more. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing left in his life. Yeah, exactly. But you know, we do that. Have you ever said just real ridiculous, bombastic statements? You got in an argument with your parents, or or something like that, and and you just got mad, and you said some just crazy thing that you know absolutely is ridiculous. But you're mad. You're losing the argument, and you're frustrated, and you just lash out with some crazy thing. I mean, husbands and wives do that sometimes when they argue. You know, you never, you know, do whatever. You always. Well, it's not even true. Not even begin to be true. But you, in the heat of the argument, you make these extreme statements. You know, it's, it's a lesson to us. I mean, to maintain fair, a fair, balanced attitude, even in a disagreement, that takes some self-control. So, thoughts? Well, I feel like that is what happens in like religious debates or even if you're not specifically talking to another person but you know you're like oh well if we acknowledge this then whoa like we're getting close to whatever so you make some like crazy thing up on the other side which is not even what God said but you're doing that because you're afraid of letting them be right at all and even of not making sense extremes beget extremes and when you're you start off being relatively close in your viewpoints and you're uncomfortable with that, then you keep trying to distance yourself from the other person. That's certainly a tactic used in political, the political arena. Oh, we can agree on this. Well, not really, because you want to do this, but I'm saying this, and it's... I think that's stupid because then what you're doing is dictated by the other person. Either way you go. Either you're doing the same as them or, oh, well, they're doing that, so now I can't. So I have to do something else. Well, historically, the Protestant reformers objected to the Catholic view of almost like works-only salvation. So what did they teach? Faith-only salvation. Went to the opposite extreme. And sometimes brethren will come back and react to that and go back to almost works-only salvation. Always stick with the scriptures. You know, be balanced. Be, be, be honest. You know, don't just try to present, you know, one side of the case. You be the guy who teaches the whole truth, who, who presents the whole picture. Don't just, don't let a debate drive you to some unscriptural extreme. Other thoughts? 7 to 12. Can you discover the depths of God? Can you discover the limits of the Almighty? They are, they are high as the heavens. What can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? His measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he passes by or shuts up or calls an assembly who can restrain him for he 
knows false men and he sees iniquity without investigating. And twelve. An idiot will become intelligent when a fool, when a fool or a wild donkey is born a man. Okay. So he's talking about God's greatness. You know, you can't get deep, as deep as God. You can't get as high as God. You can't know what God knows. I mean, he's just uh, amazing. Of course, we all agree on that. Um, but I think to some extent he's saying God knows what Job has done. You know, if God would just speak, he'd charge Job with his sins. He knows false men. He sees iniquity without investigating. You know... The truth is, Zophar has no idea what Job did. So he conveniently, you know, uh, supplements his own ignorance by saying, well, God knows. He knows everything. Well, that's true. That doesn't mean God knows some sin Job hasn't committed. You know, but that's what he's assuming, that God would know. And uh, then, then he says, uh, you know, an idiot will become intelligent. When the foal of a wild donkey is born a man? What's that saying? When pigs fly. That's exactly right. <laughs> and when does when does that happen? Not in our lifetime, right? That's what exactly what he's saying. Job has about as much chance of becoming wise that a donkey does of giving birth to a human being. Oh my. So he's calling Job an idiot. I suspect that's who he has in mind, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> who else has he been talking to throughout all this? to accomplish by that? Accomplish? <laughs> I don't think that's what crossed his mind. He's just venting. He's, so he's upset. It's ridiculous because they, do, they can't even say what he did to deserve what he got. And now... Not yet. Okay. But then now he's saying, well, you deserve a lot worse. So, like, it's like we said, he just way... Went over the edge. Exactly. Yeah. They will eventually <laughs> tell him what he did. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Eventually it gets that bad. That's ridiculous. They'd make it up. You know. But it's what happens. It. What do you do in a debate when you're losing? Get louder. Get right. wild. Yeah, get louder. <laughs> yeah. And make wilder and stronger and more ridiculous statements. I mean. You attack, you attack the man instead of the proposition and... and Tell, tell me, uh, you know, you may be different than, than what I was, but surely, as, as uh, former young people, uh, I'll grant you that, you have done that before with your parents and just said something in your, the heat of the argument when you were really frustrated that was just totally ridiculous. You know, we, we tend to do those things. And, you know, we just make ourselves look stupid. Wow, you know. I mean, when you when you say something outrageous, it doesn't make you more convincing, you know. But we're mad, you know. We're losing. All right, comments or questions on that? Why would he think he's losing here? Well, I mean, Job disagrees, but I don't know that. Why would he think he's losing? He's got the other friends on his side. Job's not agreeing with him. That's exactly right. Job's not agreeing with him. Job's saying things he thinks are outrageous. And Job has basically said, I'm innocent. Well, the friends keep saying, no, you're not, no, you're not, no, you're not. 
But what proof do they have? Only the proof of his suffering. Yeah. Which isn't proof. Right. So I think, I mean, I think Chris is right. I mean, they're losing primarily because they haven't convinced Job yet. I think that's their big thing. Um, what do they expect Job to do? Repent! Of what? Of all his terrible sins that he's committed. They don't even know what they are. Well, God does. Job doesn't. Well, sure he does. He committed them. <laughs> and they must have been really bad considering what he's going through. Yeah, how could you commit In sins fact, that bad and not know it? Because of what he's going through. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I just think we can do that kind of have circular reasoning. Here. Logical fallacies. Yeah. <laughs> Logical fallacies. Yes. So the, all the friends went into this assuming that Job was guilty. Like even when they first sat with him for seven days. Well, he was suffering. Why do you suffer? See, that's their problem. They have an unwarranted assumption. They all actually believe this. And that's what's messing them up. But it's like, you know, we do that same thing. How many times will we have some kind of an assumption when we come to even the Bible and we don't see plain passages because we have this assumption we're filtering through? See what I'm saying? When we have a wrong assumption, then we never see the truth about anything because it all filtered through that. It reminds me of the one time Wilson Cunningham was his name, as I recall, uh, back many years ago. <laughs> I was studying with him in his home. Young guy, not real young, but maybe 30. And uh, he was interested in the Bible. We'd studied quite a bit. And, uh, but he didn't believe that baptism was necessary for salvation. So I said, okay, I want you to read Mark 16, 16. He read it out loud. I said, now in that passage, does salvation come before or after baptism? You know, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He said it comes before baptism. I said, would you read that verse again? He read it again. I said, now in that verse, does salvation come before or after baptism? He said it comes before baptism. I said, would you read it again? The fifth time. He said, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> after baptism. So I was just reading He That Believes and well I knew that's when you were saved and it never dawned on him what the verse was saying. He wasn't trying to be dishonest. He didn't see it. We make these assumptions and then we try to twist everything else to fit them instead of opening our eyes to see the truth. The truth is they know Job's a righteous man. They know his character. He clearly is not you know, the worst sinner in the world, and yet that's what the suffering would indicate, give up their theory, give up their assumption. But we don't do that. We'll see passages that contradict it, contradict, but, but we hang on to it tenaciously. We shouldn't do that. You know, open your eyes to the facts, to the reality. Other thoughts? I found verse 11 kind of interesting. He sees iniquity without investigating. So, I mean, he's saying, seems to be saying that God doesn't have to look into a matter to That's be right. right about it. That's right. Which is true, I think. <laughs> it's, not, it's not like 
But God wouldn't have to, to do research to know. Yeah, it's not like he's going to have to go through this long investigation and weigh this versus this, and he's going to see something, and because he already knows everything, he's going to know whether it's sin or not. Exactly. He's going to know what we've done, because everything's open before him. I think that's the point. There are a lot of things they say about God that are exactly right. I mean, God is that great and that powerful and that omniscient and all that. He's right, and Job will say similar things. They can about try to outdo each other with how great and powerful God is, and they're all right about that. But they make false assumptions. Well, the, the last section of Zophar's speech, he extends the invitation to Job. 13 to 20. If you would direct your heart right and spread out your hand to him, if iniquity is in your hand, put it far away. Do not let the wickedness dwell in your tents. Then indeed you could lift up your face without moral defect, and you would be steadfast and not fear, for you would forget your trouble as waters that have passed by. You would remember it... Uh, period. <laughs> and your life would be brighter than noonday. Darkness would be like the morning. Then you would trust because there is hope, and you would look around and rest securely. You would lie down and none would disturb you, and many would entreat your favor. But the eyes but the eyes of the wicked will fail, and there will be no escape for them, and their hope is to breathe their last. So, Joe, you know, he's like an evangelist calling on him to repent. If you direct your heart right, spread out your hand to him like in prayer, you know, and put iniquity away from you and not let wickedness dwell with you. I mean, you'd be amazed what would happen. I mean, you, it'd be like the suffering would just be a distant memory. You know, you'd forget your trouble as well as it passed by. You know, just 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 acknowledge your sin. You know, there's, there's the problem. Zophar has a simple solution to the problem of suffering. You know, every pain has a sin behind it. You just need to repent of your sin and the pain will be gone. That's, that's his view. You know, everything will be bright, everything will be secure, you'll be at rest. You, you know, this is, this is, you just, it's going to be wonderful. Um, you know, that, that's what he sees. And uh, he says, actually, many would entreat your favor. I mean, you repent and straighten up, people will be coming to you, asking questions and asking for help and entreating your favor. Isn't that ironic? Does anyone ever come to Job asking his favor in this book? The last chapter, God They'll tells the friends they better come to Job if they want to be reinstated with God and ask his favor to pray for them and help them. So, ironically, this happens, but not quite the way Zophar had in mind. But he feels like he has to end the invitation with a threat to try to overcome Job's hesitance to repent. He says, but the eyes of the wicked will fail, and there will be no escape for them, and their hope is to breathe their last. So Job, don't be wicked. It's just all gloom and doom for you if you are. Repent, straighten up, and everything will be great. Some of these guys can preach some pretty good sermons. They just misapply them. Comments and questions? You called this an invitation, and I'm wondering, cutting it loose from the wrong, some of the wrong foundations, would this be a pretty good it invitation? Would be. Yeah, it is. It's, yeah, it's good. It's, <laughs> yeah. I know that sounds like kind of kind of weird, but yeah. 
there's a lot of things that friends say that are true. They're just not applied correctly. But yeah, this is a good statement. They, they'll have some, there's several good statements through this. You know, of course, we remember back in chapter 5, Eliphaz made a statement that Paul picks up on and uses, how God catches the wise in their craftiness. They, they say a lot of things that are right. Aren't, I mean, basically, don't all false teachers say a lot of things that are right? You know, don't expect somebody who's wrong that everything's going to be wrong. Verse 20, that their hope is to breathe their last. And yet, if I remember right back in chapter 10, Job is kind of saying, you know, just let me alone, let me die. So it's almost, it's, I mean, it, I don't know, I want to say that so far as like picking up on that and actually listening. But, you know, there's, <laughs> that, there's that little connection there that Job is saying, just let me die. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Other thoughts? Who's the worst twin? Well, I don't know. That's a good question. Eliphaz's first speech was the most conciliatory. But Eliphaz is the one that will eventually start telling him all the wrong things he did. So I, they're all annoying. This guy just starts out bang. Yeah, yeah, he, but he doesn't even have a third speech. He's only going to have two. And it's short, too. Yeah. yeah compared to the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is 20 verses. I don't remember how long but his... Uh, he's already heard Eliphaz, too, that got him fired up. So he didn't have to start with all the niceties at the beginning. He just... <laughs> well, and you'll realize, eventually, the friends just run out of soap. I mean, they have nothing new to say. Run out of soap? Isn't that a... It's kind of an old preacher expression, isn't it? <laughs> you haven't heard of that? So I've heard it. We're not a good yeah. Don't preachers say that, you know. I don't know about preachers, but I've heard the phrase before. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, they're running out of something. Yeah. I'm a, Maybe run out of steam. Yeah, run out of soap. soap. <laughs> I've heard run out of soap. I don't know. I'd rather run out of steam than soap. <laughs> We're not a town. <laughs> <laughs> so what Job's going to do is respond with his longest speech outside of his concluding monologue. 12, 13, and 14 are Job's response. And you love the way he begins this. Then Job responded, Truly then you are the people, and with you wisdom will die. <laughs> 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 wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> they do say some memorable things. You know. Surely wisdom will die with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, you are the embodiment of wisdom. When you're God, there won't be any more left for anybody else. You know, whoa. Can you write Do you detect a note of irony in that one? Oh, a little sarcasm? But he says, but I have intelligence as well as you. I am not inferior to you, and who does not know such things as these? You know, you act like you're privy to some special information. She came across this novel discovery. You know, this is common knowledge. Everybody knows this. You know, so don't act like you're coming up with some, you know, super duper stuff. You're, you're telling me what I've all known all my life. 
And then he says in verse 4, I'm a joke to my friends. The one who called on God and he answered him. <laughs> the just and blameless man is a joke. Job, Job talks about something we hadn't thought about as much, maybe. The social consequences of what's happening. He's just a laughing stock. I mean, he's just, you know, everybody puts him down. And he says, and this is what I was trying to get to before, he who is, he who is at ease holds calamity and contempt is prepared for those whose feet slip. You know, when you're at ease, you assume the bad things happen to the sinners. You know, we assume those who are suffering things brought it on themselves when it, nothing bad's happening to us. If, if, if you never suffered financially, you assume everybody who does must be, you know, a wicked person or lazy. If you never suffered health problems, you assume everybody who does must have done some terrible thing. If your kids never did anything bad, you assume those who do must have been horrible parents. You know, and so forth and so on. It's awfully easy for the person who's not suffering anything to look down on the one who is and assume, well, they must be horrible. I think that's profound. Comments? It's interesting, verse 4, his focus is still about um, God and uh, the blameless person, the one who is um, calling on God. They're looking like a joke now. It's not just that he looks like a joke, but the one who's blameless is looking like a joke. Of course, I think he is assuming he's talking about himself. Oh, right. Yeah. So he's being totally sarcastic in verse 2. That totally. That's not really serious. Totally. Oh, yes. man. That, that's pretty harsh, too. <laughs> there is, they, they come to the point where uh, I don't think their friendship is quite so strong anymore. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah. These friends have become enemies. Yeah, I mean, that verse 2 is woo. Yeah, so is he saying when they die, they'll take all the wisdom in the world with That's them? That's it. Yes. Or, like, they are the death of wisdom. <laughs> no, no, no. They are, but he's not saying that. No, he's saying you monopoly. You have a monopoly. You've cornered the market on wisdom. When you're gone, there won't be any left. That's too funny. Yeah. Uh, those are. Those are you know, impressive things to say. They say these things well, you know. They may not always be right, but they're always eloquent, so. <laughs> All right, well, let's stop here then, and we can uh, pick up in 12.6. One, one more thing, if I may. You may. Um, the one who called on God and he answered him, it actually makes me think of the crucifixion where you've got them all saying, you know, he trusts in God, let God rescue him. So it's like, you know, if you were really call on God, God would answer you. But it's, it just kind of struck me as, you know, Job is saying that, oh look, it's all a joke, and yet it's not. But anyways, mm -hmm. random thought. Okay. All right. That one's free. Well, very good. Good discussion. Good, good class. So thank you for...